0: You are listening to Mindfully Well with Mel, episode number 36. Hey friends, welcome to Mindfully Well with Mel. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a registered nurse, certified functional nutritionist, and life coach who empowers busy women to attain the life they love and to feel well inside and out. This podcast dives deep into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of what it looks like to live mindfully well. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited to have my guest Visa on today. In today's discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about stress and parenting. And you know, I'm a big believer in stress management, and sometimes it's really hard to manage stress with a bunch of little people around with unregulated emotions, right? And then we're supposed to manage that on top of ours, and it can feel like a lot. And so um, Visa is a parenting coach, and she's a lovely resource. And I thought that she would be a great addition and guest to have on the podcast. So enjoy. Hey, guys, welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited. I have a guest on today that you are going to love. Her name is Visa. I've known her for several years now. We have the same business coach and we are in the same mastermind. We've been in the same mastermind for quite a few years. We've traveled together, had lots of fun together. Um, But she's going to be so amazing on today's podcast for you because she is a parenting coach. And you might be thinking, why do I need to hear that? Well, because we're always focusing on your stress. And a lot of times We think our stress is coming from our children and having to parent them. And so today's podcast, uh, Visa, is going to go through basically, well, her program is called The Grounded Parent, and I'm always telling you to be more grounded. And so wouldn't it be wonderful if we could be grounded parents in addition to grounded people? So Visa, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So Yes, my name is Visa. My full name is actually Visa Lakshi, but everyone gets scared of it. So I go by (laughs) Visa. Like you said, I am a parenting coach, but I got to the parenting coach through being a self-love coach. I realized that the more I worked on myself and liking myself, the better parent I became. And I was kind of flabbergasted as to how that happened. And so I have this beautiful four-month program for women that want to feel more emotionally connected to their kids, instead of always constantly yelling or screaming, and then feeling intense regret and shame afterward, which
0: we all have been there, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And tell us where are you from Visa? Um, I'm kind of from all over. I was
1: born in India, brought up there until I was 11, and then I moved to the UK, and I've lived most of my life now in the US, and which is where I currently live in. I live in Maryland, near Washington, D.C. I've been married for 20 years, and I have two boys who are 9 and 12, and then a dog called
0: Cosmo. (laughs) Yes, great. Okay, so let's get started. Um, The first question I have for you is often I hear women tell me that they feel so stressed because of their children's behavior, like they take that on physically themselves. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, most parents, when we become parents, we believe that our children's behavior is a reflection of who we are and the type of parents we are. So when our children misbehave, quote unquote, and I'm doing air quotes, misbehave, Mm -hmm. or disrespect us again, quotes, right, we tend to take on all of it. as a failing on our part. And we tend to project the worst things into the future because of it. We believe if I'm constantly being disrespected by my kids, then that means they're going to be turned out to be disrespectful humans, right? And they're going to disrespect their bosses, and they're going to disrespect their school teachers. And we just tend to project this fear-based scenario onto all the Um, what I call unpleasant behaviors of our children and we actually fail to realize that those are very most behaviors I can't put it all under the umbrella but almost all behaviors from children that feel unpleasant and uncomfortable to us are just developmental things that they're exploring or it's their way of expressing hey my needs are not being met And the easiest way for it to be met is for me by acting up.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then we tend to react to those behaviors,
1: not based
0: on what they truly need and why they're doing it.
1: Yeah. And that's because, you know, we are not present in our bodies and realizing what's going on. What is the fear that's happening in me? What is the emotional wound that is being triggered? And this is so true about parenting, right? We think we're doing a fairly good job of, Being like a sane human and operating and getting through the world until our kids, not when they're babies, not when they're toddlers, but it's when they start to become tweens and teens. And they start to have opinions and ways of moving through the world that causes so much friction within Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're activating wounds within us that we don't even realize exist. They're coming up against our values, our belief systems, how we were parented and how they desire to be parented. And there's a misalignment there. And we think you got to do things my way. Why aren't you listening to me? And that's more of the authoritative parenting style. Mm -hmm. And I had to wake up and realize, hey, this authoritative parenting style worked great for me. I was one of those kids that dimmed my light. And became the good girl to, you know, please my parents, please my relatives, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just thought, I'll just take what worked for me, or so I thought, and apply it to my kids. Mm -hmm. And our kids are so different, so Mm -hmm. different. And I had to realize very quickly that for my youngest, that actually made things a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse. He started acting up even more when I started using the authoritative parenting style. Yeah. And I had a huge wake up call and I just thought, if I keep going down this road, I'm going to alienate and completely disconnect from my child and do permanent damage. And I was terrified of that. So I quickly had to be like, OK, what do I need to change? What, not what I, do I need to ask him to do, but what do I need to do? Because I am the common thread here.
0: Yeah. So what did you find worked better for that style of parenting that your child needed? Like, what do you find that you do differently?
1: Yeah. So as parents, we often think I will be calm when my child's like calms down.
0: Yeah. I've said that many times.
1: And we cannot do that. (laughs) We cannot do that. Our children are looking for self-regulation from us as the adults. So I had to dig really deep to find out and learn how do I emotionally regulate myself when my kid is absolutely being, we want to use French words, but you know, they're just, <laughs> yeah. being, they're just being like awful kids, not yeah. they, yeah. just awful, terrible. They're saying terrible things. They're doing terrible things. Yeah. And You know, we often go down to their level. I am currently in a parenting program myself because, you know, all coaches have coaches. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that this beautiful saying that they use, which articulates what I already knew Mm -hmm. deep down, is that you cannot be a thermometer. You got to be a thermostat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Being a thermometer means, oh, you're getting worked up. Let me raise my voice and I'm going to meet you where you're at. Right. Yes. But thermostat is being like, oh, you are getting really hot headed and boiling over right now I'm just going to read the room mm-hmm. and either I'm going to step away to cool myself down mm-hmm. so that we can regulate the temperature or I'm going to stay in the room and regulate the temperature right a thermostat brings like turns on the heat when it's too cold or it turns on the AC when it's too hot right and so you yeah. got to be a thermostat for your kids
0: yeah yeah Okay. So my son is very reactive. He's, he reacts to things very instantaneously. And he's been like that since the minute he was born. Like my first son just goes with the flow. Nothing really ruffles his feathers. He's cool with most things. My second son came out of the womb, very angry about most things, (laughs) completely opposite. And so he's like, it took me, I was like, I don't know how to parent this child. And I said that for many, many years with him and he is very reactive and i find myself now i am very reactive because i'm always trying to control him so what what is that moment like when you before you become reactive to their behaviors like what what should i be doing as a mom i guess
1: so number 1 is take your own temperature and notice like what's coming up for you this this takes practice by the way so if you're listening to this and taking notes and being like it it can feel overwhelming to do this but just start with step 1 which is how do i feel as my child is yelling at me right and i don't just mean about the thoughts which is i just want to shut it down he cannot be yelling at me like that those thoughts are normal don't try to sh- stop those thoughts that's exhausting yeah but you want to notice I think that's
0: is- something that i do is i'm like this is wrong this is wrong because i have all these thoughts because i'm like god shut up yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. As humans,
1: that's normal survival instinct. When someone's yelling at us, that feels like a threat to our survival on some level. So it's normal for us to want to react and have these silent thoughts in our head of like, don't talk to me that way, you know? And you're just being, oh, like, when are you going to stop being such a little so-and-so, right? Mm -hmm. Those thoughts are normal, guys. It's okay. Just stop trying to prevent those thoughts from happening because that's exhausting. But do notice, how are you feeling in your body, right? That means your heart might start to race, your breath might start to get really short and like tight, your hands might start trembling. Um, I notice when my son's behavior escalates, where he's slamming doors and things like that, like I am literally trembling on the inside. Mm-hmm. Right? And I notice all of those things. And why is that important? Because that means you are being in the present moment. When we start to notice things in our bodies, that means you're not in the past. You're not in the future projecting about, oh my gosh, how many hours is this going to take? Here we go again. The cycle is never going to end. We have all of these really unproductive thoughts. But when we get into our bodies, that's all you're doing is noticing, right? Mm -hmm. There's no stories attached when you notice in your body. Mm -hmm. And that immediately slows down the reaction cycle. Yes. When we go into our stories is when we snap, like we make snap judgments that are not great. We go into judgment mode instead yeah. of observing mode.
0: Yes. Yeah. I and do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this is why, you know, I always try to get into my body and be like, and, and kind of almost disconnect and tune out to what's happening. Cause you have to do that to get into your body. And then I deliberately try to slow down my breath. Right. Yeah. I deliberately start to notice my feet and spread my toes so that I can oh, stand yeah. a little stronger right? And then I imagine like my spine being like a rod and being strong, right? Those are the three things that make me feel grounded. So you really have to notice what helps you move into feeling more safe and grounded in your body. Yeah, those right? are and that things. might be noticing that your legs are strong. Right? And I as I breathe, I tell myself, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And that immediately then puts distance between the meltdown that's happening Mm-hmm. and what it all means about me right because we start to make it what it means about dinner and you know like all the things that are going to go wrong for the rest of the evening
0: yes absolutely yeah. um i also noticed that um something that i hear often and i notice myself doing too is that and this goes back to kind of the reaction um but i've noticed it too in clients with older children Um, is that they take on the emotions of their child and they think that they have to, in order to be a good mom, like even with almost adult children, like feeling like I have to, you know, the phrase of getting in the pool with somebody like I, they're in the pool of emotion and they're feeling like sadness or fear or whatever. And then getting in the pool with them and thinking that that is what you have to do to help them. I have to feel their misery Mm. along with them. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think there's a fine line between having compassion and empathy with what your child is going through versus truly taking on those feelings and feeling it for them or with them. One is really helpful and the other is not. Um, because what happens with the latter of you getting in and being in the trenches with them and really feeling their feelings with them is that actually creates what I call enmeshment in the relationship. There's no separation between you and your child at this point. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy. What you really want is to create a safe space for your child to feel their feelings. And when you're feeling the feelings with them, you're not in a safe space.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. So
1: the way to create safety is to realize, oh, my child is feeling really sad. But then literally having, imagining like a door or a boundary or an energetic bubble where you go, but I don't have to take on that feeling. Mm -hmm. Like it sucks for them. Whatever it is that they're going through, it sucks. Like I want to kill the person who's making them feel these feelings, right? And that's okay to feel that. But what your child is really looking for is, is two things. One is, am I like a crazy person to feel these really deep feelings? Mm-hmm. Right? Most of us feel that, right? When we have an experience, and we feel feelings, we're like, Oh, I feel so bad. But I don't kind of want to tell anyone because I'm kind of crazy for feeling these feelings, right? Yes. Yeah. And when you confess to your best friend, and they go, Oh, my gosh, like, I'm here for you. And they don't say anything else other than I'm yeah. here for you. They're like, Oh, my God, that feels so good. Yes. Yeah. That's what your child is looking for It's not to, they don't want you to say things like it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Cause that's really dismissing what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Right. We, we mean really well when we say those things, but what we're really doing is reducing their intensity and wanting to take away their experience. Yeah. What we want to say instead is, Oh, that must really hurt. I can imagine how painful this is. Yeah. I imagine this is really embarrassing for you. Just stating facts, Mm -hmm. right? Which is what every human wants to know is, am I okay to feel these feelings? Am I going to get through it?
0: Yeah. That's so much more helpful than um, taking on, like feeling like in order to be helpful, in order to kind of validate what they're going through, I have to feel what they're going through. And it's like that difference of empathy and compassion versus this is just not even helpful at all. Exactly. And I think that that's like a fine line, especially for a mom. We just try to protect our children from feeling any feeling that's not good. But yeah, that's not that's helpful, not helpful, helpful
1: at all because there's no way your children are going to go through life without ever feeling feelings. Because we did that, then they're not being human. You're not having right. a human experience without feelings. So, what we really want to help our kids with is emotional resilience. And this really applies to your clients when they are working on their nutrition and their lifestyle and things like that is a lot of times you're going to feel really uncomfortable feelings of, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. Like, I don't feel like portioning out my food. I just want to eat what everyone else is eating or whatever. Right. Yeah. Those are all really difficult feelings. You're feeling of Maybe I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to feel embarrassed. This is really difficult. So as you notice your uncomfortable feelings, and you validate yourself, which is, it's perfectly normal to feel embarrassed in the situation, but I'm going to go do the thing anyway. Right? That's emotional resilience. When you give that to yourself first, practice on yourself first, then it becomes so much easier to give it to your kids. Don't practice on your kids first. Yeah, it's so
0: hard. (laughs) Yes. These fragile (laughs) little humans who are trying to understand what a feeling is in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I got
1: better and better at parenting my own children I had to keep practicing everything on myself and then help my kids at an age appropriate in an age appropriate way yeah Um, and for my nine-year-old right now that's just validating when he's in his emotions right Mm -hmm. which is oh I asked you to turn off your tv time and you're really mad about that Mm -hmm. right and he's like starting I can tell his temperature is building I go, I know it's really, it must be really hard to just to stop doing something really fun. Yeah. Right? And that's the truth.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and
1: I have a highly sensitive child. So their emotions are like even more heightened and they feel feelings even more deeply.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: so validation for him is extremely important.
0: Yes. And yeah.
1: Because he feels 10X the feelings that most people feel.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's the same thing as my youngest one. You know, I questioned for so many years, like, does he have ADHD? Cause that's the only thing I'm familiar with when it comes to children's behaviors. And I'm like, he he must have ADHD. And then he started school and his teachers are like, he's actually really great. Like, there's no problem. So I'm like, then why is he like this at home? And it's because when he gets home, he has been feeling so much all day. And he gets back into his comfortable environment with his comfortable person, a.k.a. me, and takes it all out on me. And, like, he's been feeling so much all day. And then he comes home and hands it all over to me as his mom. And for me, I'm also pretty sensitive to others. And so it feels really heavy when he hands that all over to me. So my self-care is so important and that looks like it sounds selfish but it looks like being away from him and having structured time away from him knowing that I get to have a break and have just me time and this goes with all humans in my life I need breaks from all the humans not just him but especially him and so that goes to like how important self-care is as a mother can you talk about that too?
1: Oh, 100%. Um, I'm so glad you brought this up because yesterday I took my kids to this jump place. And I hate those places because of how (laughs) overstimulating those places are. And I took um, um, sound canceling headphones and I took an actual book to read because normally I would just be scrolling on my phone while I was waiting for them to finish. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that's all adding to the already overstimulating place for two hours, right? If I'm scrolling on my phone and I'm just letting that noise get to me. And then when we get home and my kids will bicker, because of course they're boys and they're brothers, I will, I usually used to lose it with them, right? Mm -hmm. I would yell at them, just be the mean mom, which I hate afterwards. So yesterday I was like, you know what? I'm going to take headphones. I'm going to take a book and I'm not even going to look at my phone. I had so much patience for them. When I got in the car, when I got home, my voice was even like, I didn't raise my voice even once, you know, and I was so proud of myself. And I was like, all because I tuned in and knew myself really well, which is overstimulation drains my energy.
0: Yeah. And that's just
1: a fact. It's not a strength or a weakness. It's just how we operate. We all have ways we tick, right? Things that bring us energy versus things that deplete our energy. And you got to know what those things are for you. Mm -hmm. And anytime you're going to be forced to be in an environment that depletes your energy. So for you and me, that's being around a ton of people, ton of lights, ton of noises. Mm
0: -hmm. You got to
1: know one, how do I not prevent it, but maybe like decrease it to some level, which for me was realizing don't be on your phone, like dampen out the noise. And then coming home and maybe just doing like five minute meditation. Yeah, I take care of myself and center, and then I can get back to my children. And so this is why self-care is so important because most women believe self-care is selfish because that means I'm taking time away from my kids. I'm not giving more of me to them. But when you take time and be selfish and fill up your cup, which I hate such a cliche thing, you tend to overflow. Yeah, right. And how beautiful that we can demonstrate to your daughters and your sons, what self care looks like, because you don't want them to be grown adults. And if you have boys say things like, well, my mom always did everything around like, Mm -hmm. and, and projecting that onto future girlfriends and wife or whatever, right, Of where they always saw their mom depleting herself and realize and thinking that's like a normal thing. Yes. Our daughters learning from their moms of like, I got to give everything that I have in order to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Right. I want my boys to know oh, it's mom's like me time. There's no, I dare not go into that room. Yeah. Right? Like when that door is shut, they know I'm either on calls or I'm either doing my breath work or I'm either meditating. Like you do yeah. not. We have very clear boundaries in our house.
0: Yeah. That's so great. Um, And I think exactly like what you said, showing your children the example, whether they're boys or girls, that mom does not have to deplete herself in order for you to see her as valuable that she is worthy of the the care and the time and she's worthy to eat a meal with you. Like god forbid, right? Where yeah. after, when I was growing up, grandma was running around making sure everyone was fed before she ate. Mm. And it's like why? Why can't grandma eat with us? Why does grandma have to make sure that we have seconds before she even sits down to have a meal with us? And that that was taught to me in in my culture and growing up and Now I try to go out of my way to make sure that the women are eating at the same time that everyone else is and that it's not foreign for me to go out and to, I get to, I go to the sauna for an hour without anybody coming with me, um, without anybody calling me, my phone is off. Like you don't get to reach me during this time. This is my precious time. Um, that mom will have an hour to work out every day. And that's, it's not a negotiable thing. That's what happens. And then my boys will see that that is part of a well-taken-care-of-woman who is happy and who is able to give to her household versus like the crabby mom. And just thinking that that's what's normal.
1: Yeah. When you take time to take care of yourself, you show up as such a better mom, like guaranteed, guaranteed. If you invest 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour, you know, broken up into 15 minute things throughout the day of way you choose to do things that nourish you. For me right now, it's summer. So I go out and I garden, right? Whether that's watering my vegetable patch and growing my zucchinis, which I am obsessed over, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) I take 15 minutes in the morning to do that. No one comes out and disturbs me then, right? And then I might do like 10 minutes of meditation, just the little pockets of things that I know fill up my soul. Like at the end of it, I feel good most of the day of like, I've taken time to slow down and take care of me so that I can be a better mom for my kids.
0: Yes. Do you ever have moments when you are in the time where you're taking care of yourself and it's just not working? the kids are just not leaving you alone, and your husband calls you or things like that. Like, how does that feel? Like, what are the things that we can do to not lose our shit when we're trying to take care of ourselves? And people keep knocking on the door?
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, So those are actually great teaching moments for kids. Because if this is a new thing in your house that you're doing, or for yourself, right, you might have just started working with a coach and they're telling you like you really need to carve out self-care time and you might have never done that before right so you start this new thing and you're like right I'm gonna meditate and then there comes the knock on the door right mm-hmm. so you might feel really triggered at that point but what you gotta remember is oh like this is something new that I'm learning to do and so is my family yeah like, I've got to teach them how to treat me in a different way because I've been teaching them all of this time how to treat me. And I just realized that some of it is not healthy or helpful. So now I'm going to have to train my family. Don't, don't expect them to be mind readers. And it takes many repetitions to teach people a new way of doing things and just know that no one likes change. So of course, your kids are not going to be all happy about it. Yay, moms meditate. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. But it's
1: a great opportunity to say, hey, mom's trying something new. I just, and oftentimes kids don't know, they assume mom's going to be gone forever. So maybe mm-hmm. depending on the age of your child, set a mm-hmm. timer and be like, give me 15 minutes so that they know how long is left. Oh, right? Timers yeah, work great right around my house because I'm like, because they don't know how much 10 minutes is. Honestly, kids have no idea of time.
0: No yeah. Idea, no concept yeah. of time. Yeah. I, Adults
1: I, run our whole lives through time. Kids don't care about time.
0: Yes. My little one really struggles with time. And it's, I always think you're seven. You should know that by now. And he still does it. I will say five minutes and he's like, thinks it's the end of the world if he has to wait five minutes. Um, but also like, this is part of my fault. I say five minutes and it's probably going to be 15. So he probably does perceive time really inaccurately because of <laughs> me, because I'm just trying to, to like get another, like a little extra time out of him. And so, yeah, timers would be a really good idea, too.
1: Yeah. So setting a timer on somewhere very visible for them or setting them up with a fun activity for that period of time that you're going to be doing. But it's an education process. So know and assume that you are probably going to be interrupted because it's a new way of doing things for everybody involved. And you really have to rise to be the leader in your household if you want things to change.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really such, about self-leadership.
0: Yeah, that's such great advice. Um, so I want to talk a little bit because you work a lot with um, parents and working on like where they need their work versus what their, what they think their children need the work on. Because we always project it onto the children, like the child is the problem, when actually like we have the things that we need to work on first. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I focus a lot on inner child healing, which is my favorite, favorite thing to do in the world. And so this concept is really about, we all have multiple younger versions of ourselves that live and reside and kind of help us see the world in different ways, right? So what this means is, how do I do this in a simple way? So let's say, you know, there's a there's a part of you That requires validation, right? Like you are somebody who seeks validation that feels really good to you. And that's how you kind of estimate, am I feeling good today or not? Like, has my husband told me that I look good today or not? And if they don't, then you feel really hurt, right? Yeah. And that's because at some point in your life, you learned that the only way that I will feel pretty is when someone outside of me tells me that I look pretty. Mm -hmm. That's an emotional wound that was caused at some point. Right, Because there might have been an incident where you wore a dress or, or an outfit or whatever that, may, that you thought looked beautiful when you were seven and you came out and somebody that you loved and craved attention from made an offhand comment. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, that seven-year-old self thought, oh my gosh, you're making fun of what I'm wearing. No. Or maybe they made a direct comment that deeply hurt you. Mm-hmm. right? And that might have been one small moment in time that you form the connection, oh, it doesn't matter what I think, whether I feel pretty or not, it has to be validated by somebody else. You didn't do it on a conscious level, it was just an invisible contract that was formed. And over time, that belief will compound, because you will now start to go into the world looking for evidence to confirm that belief, because now you've formed that belief, right? And we will fight to our death to collect evidence to Strengthen any belief that we have, whether it's unhelpful or helpful. So now your husband doesn't pay your attention. Guess what? That seven year old little one mm-hmm. is actually the one reacting and picking a fight for no reason with your hubby.
0: Mm, sure.
1: So the same things happen in parental relationships, right? Mm-hmm. If your child is super outspoken, but you grew up with the belief that it's not safe to speak your truth then your child is going to trigger the heck out of you every time they rebel and they challenge you. Mm-hmm. It's not the adult you that's reacting to them at that time. It's that nine-year-old you or seven-year-old you or five-year-old you that was told again and again, hush, you're too yeah. loud. Yeah. Who do you think you are? Yeah. It's that hurt little child that's now acting out as the adult. So In order to be a more gentle, grounded, conscious parent, it's not about just simply using willpower to stay calm. That's why willpower does not work. Mm -hmm. It's really about doing the inner work of healing that emotional wound that your younger self has felt so many times. It's about cracking down those walls and helping him or her feel safe And loved and accepted for exactly who she is.
0: Yes. So it comes back to you as a child, not having a child argument with your child. Correct. (laughs) Correct. That's
1: beautifully put. Yes. When you are arguing with your child, you're you are reacting from your childlike self and not your adult self.
0: Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah, I will now like be paying a lot more attention to how I respond. And I would say I respond to my two different children like very differently too. And I can see how a different part of me growing up responds to this child this way and this child that way based on how I, I guess, like how I grew up because my oldest son, the one that is easy and goes with the flow. Is exactly how I was like, Mm -hmm. I can look at him and I know what he's feeling. Like, I just, um, I feel like he's just a replication of me, just, you know, 24 years younger and a male. And so whenever he's going through things, it's like, I feel it all over again. Like, I know exactly what he's feeling because I felt that way growing up. And so, yes, I definitely like, now I see myself parenting him in that way. Oh, don't do this because that's how I felt. and I don't want you to feel that way um, like lately it's really been around like moving your body more, like moving your body purposely. And I, it's funny now, cause I hated working out when I was younger. I hated sports. I hated moving my body because I was so insecure in it. I just mm-hmm. wanted to hide. And now I see him doing that. And now I'm like, always like pushing him. I'm like, okay, let's go work out today. Let's where's the weights. What time are you working out? <laughs> because I'm like, I don't want him to grow up so insecure in his body and have to wait until he's 30 to find that. And I find myself like pushing that off on him and he's still not receptive to wanting to move his body.
1: This could totally turn into a coaching session, but I won't go there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, feel free, people.
1: I have so many questions to ask you right now. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as parents, I think we're often so quick To think, oh, I went through this. I don't want you to have the same difficult experiences that I had. And this is what I did to stop it finally. And I want you to go through the same thing. And when I tend to have those thoughts and feelings, yes, I do them. But then I take a step back and I go, but they're not having the life that I had. Yeah, They don't have the parent that I had. Mm -hmm. Right. So is it fair of me to prescribe the same formula that I wor- that worked for me that I think is going to work for them. It's not to say that you know our ideas are not great and very useful and will be productive for them, but I always think it'll be much more productive if they can come to the same conclusion themselves rather than me selling it to them because it never works if we try to convince them of something. But if we can gently ask them the right questions so they can introspect and come to their own conclusion, it is it's slower process, but it sticks way more.
0: Yeah. Cause the, um, yeah, me forcing it on him. It's not working so far. So yeah, we're going to need a different approach.
1: <laughs> um, You know, with my 12 year old, who's about to be 13, he is wanting to grow up way too fast. And you know, you just, typical teenage things that you start noticing about your kids just sneaking in stuff they're not supposed to reading questionable material that they're not supposed to things like that and you know if we tend to be like our parents and project the worst onto our kids which is oh my god he's going down the wrong road and like cracking down on things really harshly then it's going to tend to more scheming and hiding things right because now they're being shamed and judged for just normal curiosity, mm-hmm. right? These are just normal things that anybody would want to explore as a teenager. So yesterday I had to have a really uncomfortable conversation with my son and be like, hey, talk to me about these things that I, you know, discovered in your room or whatever. Like, I know it's super embarrassing to talk to your mom about it, but mm-hmm. it's about regulating my own voice and, yeah. and making sure that my face is like blank canvas. Right, yeah. Because our, our facial expressions give away so much, even if our voices, we think we're doing a good job of keeping it controlled. Yeah. And it's it's embodying that non-judgment openness to our kids that makes them feel so safe. Mm-hmm. Right? And yesterday I kept making sure that my breath was regulated and I was not, you know, I was having projecting clean energy, which is I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to shame you. I am truly here to listen and learn about what are the questions you have what are the things you want to explore what are the things you're curious about and letting you know this is normal what you're Mm -hmm. feeling and questioning and wanting to learn more about is normal and i'd rather you come to me so that i can give you educated answers than you learning it from source that god knows yeah what they're going to teach you right which is which is not a reflection of reality
0: yeah. Yeah. And I think definitely letting them know that what they're doing, their behaviors are normal can be so much more reassuring for them. Whereas like when I grew up, it was like, you're bad for being curious about these things or buying these things or, you know, doing this or whatever. It was always you're bad versus yeah. like, oh, you're actually just a developing human. And right. all of these things are so normal and you've done nothing wrong. But yes, opening up that communication to be like, but let's talk about it so that you get the accurate information here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it all goes back to feeling your feelings, right? And dealing with the discomfort of like, oh, my kids are doing this. And when we, you know, when we are judging and shaming, we, you know, we project that onto our kids, our kids take that on. And then that's what then leads to unhealthy coping mechanisms, Oh, right? Things like what your clients come to you for, which is, I don't know how to control the amount of food that I'm eating, I cannot get my body to move, I body shame myself when I look at myself, right? Mm -hmm. Those are all coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, Because we are judging and shaming ourselves so
0: much. Yes, absolutely. And and
1: so anything that we can do to not judge and shame our kids, whether that's through yelling or blaming or punishing, you know, those are all Mm -hmm. not productive or healthy at all. And I'm not I'm not shaming you or judging you if you're doing it. Yeah. It's just, we don't know any better.
0: Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, A lot of what, when your child is, um, I'm thinking about like my youngest, when he's having like a fit, when he's throwing a tantrum, when mm-hmm. he's being really angry about something, what is your favorite question? Once once you yourself get calmed down and you want to like help them through it, what's your favorite question to ask them to help them bring bring awareness to what's going on in their body?
1: That's a great question. So I I think it really depends on the situation, but one of my most favorite questions is to first ask them, you know, what were you feeling in that moment? Mm -hmm. Were you feeling angry? Were you feeling frustrated? Were you feeling sad, disappointed? So it's really to help them name their feelings so that they know there is a label to what I went through. It's not some scary thing. It's something that can be defined and it's something that everyone has gone through, which is why these labels exist, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So naming it feels like, I can wrap my arms around what happened because when they're in the moment it feels so big like I have no control over it and this thing is taking over me which is my feelings right yeah and so when we label it 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 gives them a sense of control of like oh there's a name for it okay and then i ask them well do you think you could tell me like where you felt it in your body mm-hmm. because now they can realize oh it's not something outside of me it's something inside of me that i just feel through physical sensations yeah and so then we talk about my, my son has the anger thing dialed in, which is I feel heat rising in my chest. Oh, sure. Right? yeah. And he talks about when he's happy or excited, it's butterflies in his stomach. Yes. Right? And so yeah. they really start to understand what feelings are, that they're just physical sensations in my body. And then eventually with practice, they're going to get tools to tend to those funny feelings or those sensations mm-hmm. that don't feel So good. But it really starts with connecting them that what you felt is a feeling and there are names for these emotions and there's a whole spectrum of it and it's normal. We all feel Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and it lives in your body as physical sensations. And for you, this is what this emotion felt like in this moment. It might change, you know, anger, depending on the situation, you can feel it in different ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. those are. That's a great way. I've done that with my youngest one when I myself can calm down is I'll ask him, I'll sit down with him and I'll ask him, where do you feel it? One of the things that he said the other day is um, we were getting ready to leave for vacation and he was just having lots of, lots of outbursts, not listening, just, you know, being a lot for me. And um, I finally just sat down with him and I was like, what are you feeling? And he started crying. He goes, I'm just so overwhelmed. and. And it's funny cuz I say I'm overwhelmed all the time. I just walk around and I'm always like I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed because I usually am. And he um he knows that word and he knows and that's how he reacts when he's overwhelmed, but the thing is like that's how I react too. It's just in the ad- an adult form of it versus a childlike form. And sometimes I'm like I don't feel like I understand him, but it's really like he's actually mimicking all the behaviors I do just in a childlike mm-hmm. behavior.
1: Yeah. When our kids are acting up, it's always, always because I'm feeling big feelings and like, I need attention. It's like, there's some unmet need that needs mm-hmm. to be met, Yeah. which as parents, it's really hard because we have so many things to get done and we just want to go fast, fast, fast. And our kids are always showing ways where they're like, please slow down, please slow yeah. down, please yeah. slow down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's a lot of what he says to me without using those words, please slow down. And that's really, I'm glad you said that because I think that's something that I need to hear from him because I'm always like, let's go, let's go, let's go get in the car. How many times I have to ask you? Like, those are the things that come out of my mouth all the time.
1: Yeah. Highly sensitive children, they, they need, and it, there's an acceptance process that we go through, right. Of like, this is the child that I have and I need to be the parent that my child requires instead of the child being the child that the parent requires. Yeah, you have to be the parent that your child needs you to be not the other way around. Yes. And so when I'm in a rush, and I know that my son does not like to be rushed, I just now I have to set up systems. Mm-hmm. So that I don't rush him.
0: Mm, yes,
1: which means having a five to 10 minute buffer time before we get ready for swim class. Sure. Yeah, not like cutting it close right and of course life happens and mm-hmm. things pop up that we don't mean to but just knowing that you have that system in place to catch you right um mm-hmm. so that you're not always rushing your kid because then you're not taking his or her needs into your world
0: mm-hmm. yeah just saying
1: you just got to do things my way but yeah. no, they're just different humans to you and so and you know as parents we are literally their lifeline for survival yeah Yeah. So when we don't meet their needs, or at least try to understand what their needs are, they feel threatened to their survival. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have such big feelings. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then we just think
0: they're, they're a problem.
1: Yes. Yes. We really have to change our mindset and realize that our kids are not here to create problems for us. Yeah. Our kids want to please us. Every child wants to please so desperately. Mhm. And we have to understand that and say, well, if my child's motivation is always to please but they're not pleasing in this moment, mm-hmm. what's going on?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question to ask. I'm going to write yeah. that on my fridge. <laughs> 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 so my it's husband can see for us it too.
1: adults, right? Like yeah. we want people to like us and please us mm-hmm. and if the most loved and cherished ones in our circle are not pleased with us, then we have to find out like, Hey, did I do something to upset you? Like, you don't seem the same, like what's going on. And we try to correct if we've done something to hurt that person. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 so true. That's great. Well, this was such a great conversation. It was lovely to have you on today. Tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on TikTok. Um, My handle is at Life Coach Visa. That's where I have the most fun. Um, I also hang out on Instagram, also the same handle at Life Coach Visa. And I also offer um, free breathwork sessions, which we didn't touch on in this episode, but that's okay. It's one of my modalities that I use to help my clients feel more into their bodies and regulate their emotions. Um, I offer two breathwork sessions live every single month virtually. So all of that stuff is available on my links in my social media handles.
0: Yes. And I will say to everyone, I have done um, a workshop with Visa on breathwork and it is next level breathwork. Like it is amazing and restorative and beautiful. And yes, it was I loved the session I did with you. And I have sent clients to your free one too, and they always come back and are raving about your breathwork sessions. So I will link all of that info in the show notes today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I could talk about this for hours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mindfully Well with Mel. If you're ready to take practical steps to live a more mindful and healthy life, I encourage you to follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa underscore Ike, where I share tips to help women just like you become healthier, lose unwanted weight, and feel well without the extremes and overwhelm. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to continue to create content you love. Finally, please note that the material in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended as a replacement for medical advice. Thanks for listening.